Good morning. It's me again. It's just now I'm behind this. <laughs> Isn't that funny? No, you didn't find that funny. Okay, well, let me say one thing to you uh, about the connection card. And if you brought a friend, it's really important that you fill out your connection card. But it's also very important that your friend fills out their connection card as well. Because both of those are going to be put into the drawing. And uh, when you go out to eat, it will be you and your friends. So we want information on, on both of you, okay? Well, we're continuing our series. What is it? Under pressure. Yes. Under pressure. Under pressure. Under pressure. Everyone sing that. Under, Under pressure. There you go. See, that warms you up. All right. Today, we're going to talk to you about words. Did you see in that video where the wolf is really like he's showing his teeth? It's right where the words, the, wor the word words comes up. And I think that's sort of uh, a metaphor for what we're talking about today, how powerful and how strong words can be. So we're continuing our, our uh, series under pressure, and we're talking today about how words can have a powerful effect on our relationships. You know that. They can, they can powerfully influ influence our children because our children are listening very closely. They can powerfully influence our, our spouse, our marriage, they, they can influence our friends and even our relationship with God. You know, our words can be like a sledgehammer. A sledgehammer can be a very good tool, right? It can build a foundation. It's a strong tool that can build a foundation. But it can also smash a wall or it can, it can uh, smash windows. So words are something that can be used positively and very negatively. We just have to learn how to use them properly. They're powerful. You remember that little saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Now, that is totally false, isn't it? Why in the world did... Well, I guess we were trying to prepare a child not to let somebody else's words affect them. But they do. They really do. The words that we say, and once they come out... We can't take them back. So it's really important that we begin to understand the power of our words and begin to learn how to think twice. So as we continue, remember we're in the book of James, and we want to look at how words can either tear down or build up. And as we continue, James talks a lot. He devotes a lot of teaching to controlling the tongue. He talks about the tongue, and if you look in your Bible, the header there will say, taming the tongue. It's like a wild horse that needs a bridle. And he says, taming the tongue. And when we read the words of Jesus, and then we read the words of his brother James in the New Testament, we can see the power of the tongue. They spend a lot of time talking about it. How we handle our tongue, the words that we say when we're under pressure, is a great indicator of what's in our hearts. I know this from personal experience. When a word comes out my mouth, that's come from a place, some place in my heart, a place in my heart that needs attention. Aesop uh, shares a, a helpful, he, you know, Aesop told fables, and he illustrates this point. He wrote, once upon a time, a donkey found a lion's skin. He tried it on, he strutted around, and he frightened all the animals. Soon a fox came along, and the donkey tried to scare him too. But the fox, hearing the donkey's voice, said, 
If you want to terrify me, you'll have to disguise your bray. And the moral of this story is clothes may disguise a fool, but his words will give him away. Our words give us away. In James 3, which is our text for today, you can open your Bibles or you can go to your app. Um, we can see that the tongue has great power and that by its nature, it's just simply hypocritical and that it can only be transformed by God. It's going to take a power greater than our own personal willpower to tame our tongue. Our words not only affect others, they can have a potentially devastating effect on our lives and every relationship that we have. The Bible is full of illustrations about the positive and negative effects of words. And it's when we're under pressure that our words reveal the condition of our heart. You remember uh, a couple weeks ago when I did a message on wisdom, I said that we are like a tea bag. It's when we're dropped in hot water that whatever's inside seeps out. And so we need to pay attention to that, not to be condemned. If I remember one of the most powerful lessons of my life was when a word came out my mouth and it stopped me in my tracks. And I said, where in the world is that coming from inside my heart? And I began to examine my heart and the Lord showed me places that needed to be healed. So today, buddy's going to talk to you out of James about the words that we say. All right. Thank you. Well, you know, speaking of the heart, Christianity is about the heart. It's all about the heart. Jesus spoke uh, about the heart and the change that happens when we truly uh, believe and follow Jesus Christ. There's two key truths that I want to talk about for a moment about the words uh, that roll off my tongue. Uh, there's two key truths. The first one is, Gay said, my words reveal the condition of my heart. Now, the words that we say point to something deeper that's going on deep in our lives, in our hearts. He says that, uh, James says it this way, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. You see, James is saying, the words that roll off of my tongue, the words that roll out of my mouth, are the, that are the, is what gets me into trouble. The Bible says a good person produces good works from a good heart, and an evil person produces evil words from an evil heart. That's a powerful, powerful scripture. Jesus is saying here that what comes out of the mouth reveals the heart. What comes out of the mouth reveals what's really deep in my heart. But without the tongue, we could not speak these words. Now, this little two-ounce slab of mu uh, mucus membrane, if we don't get a hold of it, that little piece of stuff, <laughs> it can kill, maim, injure, and destroy. It, it, it reveals the attitude and the condition of my heart. Here's some things that Scripture says about the power of the tongue. It says a lot of positive things. It says you can speak words of life to people, that you can encourage people. The tongue can be used to uh, speak words, uh, to put marriages back together, to help people. Uh, words can be used to build others up, and the list goes on and on. But what does the Scripture say about the dark side of the tongue? The Bible uses words that that are violent words, that typify violent situations. It uses words like daggers, swords, poisonous tips, arrows, and death, and destructions, and things like that. James says this about the tongue. 
Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Now, they had uh, uh, a recent fires in California, not the ones in September, the ones back in January. Uh, an arson did the recent ones, but uh, a fire uh, burned thousands of acres and destroyed homes, and it left behind massive destruction. And it was started as a camper had a campfire and put three sheets of notebook paper on the fire, and the sparks off of that um, notebook paper started that great fire that destroyed uh, so much uh, uh, forestry and, um, and homes. And then James goes on to say this, the tongue is also a fire. It's a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person. It sets the whole course of a person's life. Our tongue, our words, the Bible says it sets the whole course of our life on fire. Now what he's saying here is the tongue can literally ruin our lives. The tongue can literally ruin our reputations. It can ruin our careers. It can ruin, more importantly, our families. It can ruin the church. And it can follow the generation that comes after that. You see, which brings us to the second key truth. My words, my tongue, leads a path, leaves a path of destruction in people's lives. Now, the tongue can cause all kinds of destruction in people's lives. Our words are kind of like a terrorist. It reaps destruction. There's a true story I read some time ago about a boy named David. And nobody liked this boy named David, and they relentlessly teased him. And they, and they gossiped about him and made fun of him and, and spoke all kinds of words into his life. And so one Saturday afternoon while the other kids that uh, made fun of David were outside riding their bikes, David found his dad's gun and ended his life. Now, the note he left behind said, Dad, I just couldn't handle the words anymore. I couldn't handle the teasing. I couldn't handle the gossip. I couldn't handle the lies. It was just a little bit of gossip. You know, it was just a, a little bit of teasing. It, it was just another story. The words seemed to be so innocent at the time, but it just left a path, path of destruction, a child's life. You see, the story made me wonder. The story really made me think, how many times have my words left a path of destruction? I, you know, I wonder how many times have I been careless with my words? How many people's lives have I hurt? You know, I wonder what the path of destruction looks like that follows me. Who are the people that have been hurt by your words? You know what, our children, our words kills motivation, self-esteem, respect, and our relationship with them. Our marriage, it does the same thing, but it also destroys intimacy in our marriage. Maybe your words, like my words, have destroyed someone's character. Maybe your, your words, like my words, have hurt a friend, a coworker, a family member, a pastor. Just hurt their feelings a little you think, but it left a path of destruction. You see, words you wish you wouldn't have spoken when you were under pressure. You know, when we're under pressure, the true self comes out. And when you're under pressure, those words spoken that you can't do anything about, once they roll off your tongue, you can't take them back. They've been said. So how do I tame my tongue? 
How do I deal with the condition of my heart? I have a couple practical thoughts about that this morning. First, I should look beneath my words to my heart. You know, this whole message of Christ, this whole life that we live is about the condition of my heart. James says, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? You see, there are things that will come out of your mouth that indicate that there's something deeper in your heart. And, and maybe you continually hurt others with your words, words that are spoken when you're under pressure, when you're in a tight spot. You see, you have to ask yourself, why? Why do I speak such evil, hurtful, harmful words? It all begins with what we think. You see, it's a, a vicious circle. What I think affects what I say, affects what I think, affects what I say, affects what I think. You see, you start with angry thoughts followed by angry words and those angry words result in a wounded person, a wounded spouse, a wounded child, a wounded friend, a wounded coworker. You see, that wound uh, that wounded soul results in a bitter heart, and that bitter heart results in more angry words. You just can't seem to get out of this vicious circle. We're angry, or we're wounded, or we're hurting, and we say more angry words. It goes around and around and around. I've been there in my own life. Jesus says that words are never a slip of the tongue. Oh, that's just a slip of the tongue. No, they're always an overflow from the heart. You see, Jesus said, for out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. Now, I, I may not have wanted to say it, but, but I, I, I felt it or I wouldn't have said it. It was in my heart or I wouldn't have said it. You see, our words start with our thoughts and how we feel. You know, do you ever have your thoughts come out in your words? You didn't mean to. You weren't going to say it, but you were under pressure. And the words just rolled out. And there's a wounded person. That's what Jesus is talking about. In fact, Jesus says it's inevitable. If it's in your heart, it's going to come out your mouth. Eventually, it's going to happen. Another thing that we can do is we can ask God for help. James says that no man has tamed the tongue. No man has tamed the tongue, but he doesn't say that God can't help us tame the tongue. You see, in our own power, in our own strength, no matter how much willpower, no matter how much determination we have, no matter how strong we think we are, we won't be able to tame the tongue. But with God's power and God's strength, we can go a long ways toward taming the tongue. In fact, in Psalms 141, David says this prayer. He prays, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips and let not my heart be drawn to evil. Let not my heart be drawn to evil. Imagine what God would do in our hearts. Imagine what God would do in your heart if you struggle with your words, if you started praying on a regular basis, God, help set a guard over my mouth. Watch over my lips so that what I say doesn't lean towards evil. Imagine what God would do in our lives. Ask God for help. Finally, speak words of life. 
and words of encouragement. The Bible says, when you talk, do not say harmful things, but say what people need, words that will help others become stronger. Then what you, will, then what you say will do good to those who listen to you. You see, words under pressure, I believe. I believe words spoken under pressure have harmed more husbands, have harmed more wives, or more children, or more significant relationships than anything I know. I, I you know, you heard, I had an abusive father, and I can still hear the words. They wound, they hurt, and they penetrate. They set the course of life for people. And I think more than anything else is when husbands and wives stand toe-to-toe and the words that come out of our mouths destroy one another in the listening ears of our children more than anything else. Words from out of our heart, from the overflow. There's some business trainers named Ken Blanchard and Barbara Glanz and they did some training with 3,000 frontline workers at a grocery store and retail outlets across the country. And they talked about the power of words in their lecture and, they, and, and, what they, what, um, and how what you say really makes a difference in people's lives. That's what they were talking about, words and how what we say makes a difference in people's lives. And after a month of training, Barbara got a call. She got a call from a guy named Johnny who was at the training. And Johnny told her, he said, uh, uh, Barbara, I'm 19 years old and I have Down syndrome. And he said that I, I work as a bagger at a grocery store, he told her. And he said, I went back to the store and I, I didn't know how to apply your statements. He said, I liked your talk. I liked what you had to say, but I didn't know what to do with it, with what you said. So he said, I went home and he talked to, a, he said he talked with my dad and I got an idea. And he said, my dad and I sat down at the computer and every day, he said, we came up with a state, we would come up with a statement that is affirming of people, that was encouraging. He said, if we couldn't find one in the little quote book that I have, he said, we would make one up. He said, I'd make it up. And we'd type it up six times, different times in the computer. And he said, I would print 50 sheets and I'd cut them all out. So he said he has 300 of those quotes. And then he said, every night, Johnny signs each of them personally. And then the next day at the grocery store, he puts the stack right beside where he bags the groceries. And he says he gets everyone's groceries all bagged up. And then on the last sack, he puts in the quote of the day in that sack. The encouraging word he puts in the grocery bag. And he makes sure he looks them in the eyes. And he says to the person, he says, I put something very special in this sack. He said, I hope it will brighten your day. And he said, and then he'll take out their groceries to their car and help them load them. And Johnny does this every single day. Barbara said after about a month, she got a phone call from the manager of that grocery store. And he said, Barbara, I cannot believe it. Something amazing is happening here at the grocery store. He said, I, I was walking around the store and I noticed that we had lots of checkers at the checkout line, but there was only maybe one or two people in each of those lines. And the line where Johnny was doing the bagging went all the way back to the freezer section. <laughs> True story. 
He said, I wouldn't tell, he said, I would tell them over the intercom that there's other lines open. And, and, and people would just look at me. And they'd say, no, we'll wait for Johnny. We want Johnny to bag our groceries. We want his encouraging word for the day. One woman grabbed the boss and she said, I, I used to only come to the grocery store once a week or once every other week. She said, now I come every day. Words of life. You see, I buy something so I can get Johnny's encouraging words. People will go to extremes to hear words of life, to hear words of encouragement. About a month later, the store manager called Barbara and said, it's changing the entire culture of our store. She said, even in the floral department, when a flower was broken, they used to throw it away. Now they walk into the lines and they pin it on. The little girls are the elderly ladies. They brighten their day. He said, listen, there are a lot of people on our org chart at the grocery store, but I'm telling you the most important person in our store is Johnny the bagger. He's speaking words of life. He's speaking words of life. And we hear so many words of death and we speak words of death to one another and, and people are craving the words of life and the words of encouragement. And I gotta tell you that a, a words of life and words of encouragement can change a culture. And, and after all, we all need some words of life. Words of life and encouragement can change a church. Words of life can change a child. Words, words of encouragement can change a spouse. It can change a home. It can change a community. And I just think of husbands and wives, if we learned to speak words of life and words of encouragement to one another, our marriages would soon find new life and new hope, and there'd be a new culture in our home instead of finding what we can find wrong with someone and speaking words of evil and words of death among each other. Even in our church, in a church of all places, there's words of death spoken. And it should be a place where words of life and words of encouragement are spoken. And we wouldn't have empty chairs. We'd have a house full. It will change a culture. It, it will change a home. It will change a community. It will change a state. It will change a nation. It can change a world, and it all starts with a change of heart. It all starts with a change of heart. And only God can change a heart. You see, we were all born with a heart problem that doctors can't do anything about. We're all born with a heart problem that we can't do anything ourselves about. Our spouse can't help us out with that. Or our children. You see, we're all born with a heart problem and you can't solve your heart problem by cleaning up your speech. Watching your mouth. Only God can do that. In the Old Testament, the heart symbolizes the affections and the will including the decision-making powers, and David recognizes that God alone can heal a heart and change a heart. You see, in, in Psalms 51, David prayed a prayer in response to the sin with Bathsheba, and, and we talked about the story last week, and if you weren't here and you don't know the story, King David had all that he wanted, and Bathsheba took a bath on the roof. And every day at bath time, David would go up to the roof, and one day, one day, because of the evil in his heart, 
he called for Bathsheba to come and he slept with her and she had a child and, and he was panicky and under pressure. And so he calls for her husband Uriah who was at the battlefield to come home. And, and he wanted him to sleep with his wife but Uriah said, I will not sleep with my, in my home with my wife while my, my uh, uh, others are out in the battlefield fighting. And so he slept at the doorstep. And it infuriated King David. Infuriated him because in his heart he had evil. And so he, he put Uriah on the front line and Uriah was finally killed. And then King David himself lost his child. When Nathan came to him and talked to him about his sin, he was devastated. Because of the evil in his heart. Now this was a man that followed God. But he had evil in his heart. And this prayer in Psalms 51 was a response to the sin with Bathsheba. And here's what he prayed. Wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. In other words, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I have sinned against you. God, I have sinned against Bathsheba, I have sinned. Please forgive me. You see, confessing our sin is the first step in a changed heart. You know, if you've been speaking evil words over your family, over your children, over your friends, not a, you've just been speaking words of death over them, the first step is to say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me for the words that I have spoken. He said, hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. But David, you see, David was sorry for his sin, but David realized that he needed more than forgiveness. You see, we need more than forgiveness. How many people have you hurt with your words or you've been hurt by words and that person comes back and says, oh, I'm sorry, forgive me. And two weeks later, back again, putting words of death, speaking words of evil over your life because their heart has not been affected. They're just their words of forgiveness. How many times have you said, I'm never going to do that again to my family. I'm never going to again talk to my child that way. I'm never again going to gossip about my friend. And then you find yourself right back again, doing the same thing again. And David realized that there was something deeper than he needed. There's something that we realize that we need something deeper in our lives than just forgiveness. Thank God he forgives us. But he realized there was something deeper, deeper in his heart. And if he was going to have a changed heart, so he prayed, God, create in me a pure heart. The word create means make new, make new in the Greek. God, make my heart new. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Create in me a pure heart and make my spirit right again. Some of you here today need a heart change. You need a new spirit. You see, I grew up with words of death spoken over my life. And I spoke words of death over my family. My mother-in-law wanted nothing to do with me because of the words that came out of my mouth. 
And no matter how hard I tried, no matter how many times I sought forgiveness, I couldn't control my tongue. Only God can give us a new heart. Only God can change the words that come out of our mouth because he is the only power that can change our heart. And some of you need a heart change, a new heart and a new spirit so, so that you can speak words of life to your spouse. You can speak words of life to your children. You can speak words of life to your friends and words of life to your coworkers. You see, we need radical surgery. We need a new heart. David said, create, make new my heart. Like David, maybe you've come to that realization in your life that there's something more you need than forgiveness. And you need to pray. As David prayed, dear God, create in me a pure heart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the, your Holy Spirit's hush over this place this morning. For those that are online and those, Lord, that are in the cafe. And Lord, I just pray right now that your Holy Spirit would fall fresh in you upon us. God, will you help us to realize today that we cannot tame our tongue because it's not our tongue, Lord, it's our hearts. And Lord, I, I just believe today there are people sitting here that try so hard to speak words of life but can't control the tongue. You know, folks, I know that this message was for someone. There's someone here today that are battling words of death. And you're speaking words of death over your, your spouse or your children or your coworkers. And I realize some of you grew up and that's all you ever heard was words of death. And God can change your heart too. He can heal your heart. So I, I would just say right now that, that a new heart begins with a new relationship. And, and, and if you're saying that, you know, I, I, I've just never accepted Christ as my Savior, I've never asked him to forgive me of my sins, right now is the time to do that. Just to ask God, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me for all my sins. And you can just pray that. Right there. Just pray it like you really mean it. God, I'm really sorry. And ask God to forgive you. And ask him to be your savior. That's where it begins. It begins with a relationship where you invite Christ into your heart. You invite him into your life to be your savior. And then there are those of you that are believers. But you know your heart's not right.
because of what comes out of your mouth. You know there's something deeper going on. And I'm telling you that only God, only God can create, give us a new heart. David, God said, was a man after his own heart. And I believe it's because David had a new heart. And God wants to give us a new heart, a changed heart. And there's some of you today that just need to pray, God, create in me a pure heart. That's saying, God, I surrender to you. God, I can't do this on my own. God, I need you. I am totally dependent upon you, God, to do something new in my heart. Now, with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, I just want to pray for you this morning. If that's you this morning, it's more than that. I just want you to acknowledge to God that you need a new heart. And I don't want anybody to look around because I don't want to embarrass anybody. I'm going to look around because I'm going to pray for you. I may not call you by name, but I'm going to pray for you right now as we close in prayer. With all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, you just say, buddy, I need a pure heart. I need God to cleanse my heart. Would you just slip up your hand? Anybody like that? Yep. Yep. All across the auditorium. God bless you. You can put them right back down. God sees your hand. He knows your heart. And now will you just ask God? As I pray for you, we just ask God, we open your heart by faith. You know, when we're saved, we receive salvation by faith. And what I'm talking to you about today, a pure heart, a created in me a pure heart, we have to receive that by faith. We say, God, I receive it. I believe it. I accept the fact that you can create in me a pure heart. It's by faith. Father, I pray for every person that raised their hand. God, what an honest spirit. God, what an honest person, an honest heart. It's not easy to hear a message like this and then raise my hand in a room like this. So God, I pray for every person that has prayed that prayer, create in me a pure heart. That God, you will do exactly that. And that, God, we will just receive it by faith. God, I am witness to the very fact that, God, you can create a new heart. And the words come out of my mouth were changed. And so, God, I pray that for all my friends here today. I pray right now, Lord. In the name of Jesus, that the blood of Christ would wash away all of our iniquity and create in us a pure heart, a heart that loves God, a heart that loves people, and a heart that loves the person, loves themselves. Thank you, Jesus. God, I'm just so grateful to serve a God of grace who forgives us, but not only forgives us, but desires for us to live better and gives us an avenue to live better. 
through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you, that the, thank you Lord, that the tomb is empty today. And you're seated, you're seated at the right hand of the Father. And you're interceding for me and for my friends and those online. And we thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. We're going to worship together. If you still like to come and pray, you can. But just receive what God has done for you today. If you've asked God into your heart today and asked him to forgive you of your sins, if you'll see Kelly at the back of the room, he has the bands that... Salvation band, it's this right here, but basically it just tells you what God did in your life today. And Kelly'd like to talk to you about that. Let's stand and worship, Jimmy. Can we please? You can take my tribals, breathe life into this skin. You call 